This is Form. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. And we're going to be talking with uh, Don Hill and David Jall with the Core Waco Project. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, lost boys. And, uh, uh, David, do you remember that we talked with you, I think, what, 20-some years ago? Well, you remember that. But tell us what the uh, – I want to talk about, you know, the Sudanese lost boys, what they are and all of that, but how that has uh, – that migration – has adapted and, and uh, what it is now. But tell us what the Core Waco Project is. You know, the Core Waco Project it came out from that journey as a lost boy of Sudan. We were displaced back uh, during the Civil War and end up here in South Dakota. So South Dakota become home for all of us who came here. And uh, the transparent of the support we reported, we, we received in the community became tremendous to a point where we're looking back where we came from because there's no service in those part of the world we all came from. Especially in the village of uh, Korwako where I came from, there's no school for boys and girls while the war was going on. So friends and family came together to start this ministry uh, of uh, providing school for the kids. Well, tell us, you were a lost boy. Tell us what that was like back in the 80s and 90s. You know, um, reflecting back to those days during the war in Sudan, um, sometimes you don't think about it until you come to a place where there's peace. Otherwise, we were living in chaos, running from one place to another, displacement of people, separation of mom and dad, brother and sister, end of a refugee camp in East Africa, uh, fighting in the war at a very young age. So it's it's, it's a tough journey for us, but at the same time, we found a safe home here in the Dakota where we we have uh, created a larger family than ourselves who came here. The concept of child warriors or child army is is so strange to us, but uh, that was real for you, wasn't it? It was real for me. You know, the military come to the village in the middle of the night and collect young boys, take them to the training camp to become soldiers and fight the war. Well, that was in the 80s and 90s. What is it like today in Sudan? You know, nothing has changed much. There's, there has been some peace in the country. Where saw Sudan now became a nation of its own from the Sudan but the war continued to be there. Is it somewhat of a Holocaust, a genocide? You know, there has <laughs> there was two. There has been two different wars in Sudan: the first civil war and the current uh, civil war that is going on among the South Sudanese themselves, and that is uh, devastating for all of us who were who, who fought in the first civil war. And so that the peace has come and now the war would, would be the end of the war. We have been devastated. We, we don't want to see this continue to be. You're somewhat um, forgotten, too, in a way. Do you feel that way? You know, I do. I do. We still have heart for our home country, and we can do the much we can in a distance. But, you know, talking about war... Uh, the current war devastated the country. Uh, Don and I had been back and f- 
to South Sudan together so he can tell you more of, uh, you know, in a distance for himself. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's tough. Uh, it's a tough thing to think about. My only experience, I, I can't imagine what you're talking about from my experience. In Don Hill, I, I think going there had to be somewhat of a, uh, it's a whole different aspect of the human race, isn't it? Yeah, it is very different from anything we experience, and it's actually much different from other parts of East Africa even. Um, South Sudan is the least developed country in the world. Mm-hmm. And so to get to uh, David's villages, we go through, we're able to fly into Ethiopia and to a border town called Gumbella, and then from there uh, take a vehicle to the river, the Sobat River, and then 10 hours by small boat to uh, David's villages. And, and that's the case because there are no roads there. Uh, you get to the village, everything is, there are mud huts. There's no electricity in most of the villages, no running water. So uh, drinking from water of, out of the river, there, there are no tractors or anything like that to farm with. Uh, it's, a, it's a semi-nomadic population and I, I just kind of uh, equate it to uh, life 4,000 years ago reading through the Bible in the Old Testament the story of Abraham it it feels very much like that kind of a life I was just going to bring that up when you mentioned Ethiopia and, and Sudan that's where the real Bible you know a lot of that uh, uh, you know the Ark of the Covenant is supposedly in Ethiopia and all that kind of, it really uh, puts history in perspective a little bit, uh, David and, and Donna. Uh, the only experience I've had with someone from Sudan was a family that moved into my apartment complex, and the grandfather, when it got hot out, would go out and sit underneath the shade tree. You know, we had air conditioning, but he would go out, and, and uh, the fire trucks would come a couple times because uh, they were trying to uh, roast a, go- a goat in the apartment. So that's what I'm saying, and I, I want to bring it up, David, because, uh, uh, and Don is, that transition, uh, how have you, you know, coming from as a lost boy, as we, we say, you know, in a war, you made quite a, quite a family of yourself. You know, we did, and I think we would not do it on our own without the help of the family here in South Dakota. So we are very grateful for the service that we received from our brother and sister here at home in, in South Dakota. So much appreciated, and who we are today, we would not do it on our own because we came with nothing, just ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the service we receive, uh, we are greatly appreciative for it. It makes me so lucky to have been born in Sioux Falls, I can imagine. Because where you're born, you don't pick your parents. You don't pick where you're born. You know, it's, it's, that's all you knew back at that time. David Jow and the core Wakao project downhill. This is part of your. Tell us about your church and and what that project is doing. Well, um, I'm part of First Evangelical Free Church. I'm one of the pastors there. I've been in that church all my life. We really got acquainted with David because uh, my wife Brenda was in the administrator at at Rosa Parks when it was the when it was the Spanish immersion program. Uh, school and and David's kids went there, uh, and so uh, through Brenda, Brenda was, you know, so uh, impressed by David's story and especially his character. 
um, always being compassionate and kind and loving and with a positive attitude, uh, infectious, I would say. And so um, David and I go to different churches, um, and the the Korwako Project is, it's not a denominational thing. It's not by one church. It's, it's a group of local people, uh, many of whom are people of faith, um, who have come together to uh, help David uh, fulfill his dream of of education for not only the boys of South Sudan, which is the norm, but also the boys and, and girls in uh, the Korwako region. And so that's how we got involved. We have a, um, you know, our church is involved. Other churches are involved as well. Sioux Falls First is 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 part of this project as well and has been has contributed to it well. And there's several others around Sioux Falls and around eastern South Dakota that contribute. Uh, but it's a it's a great organization. It's a small organization, uh, and everything raised uh, goes to uh, work in South Sudan. Nobody here gets any salary or anything like that from the organization. So all every all the donations go to build and to fund the school uh, in South Sudan. I saw a movie not too long ago. I don't know if it was in Sudan. Uh, a guy who. His vision was to build a school uh, for the uh, uh, people in the villages that uh, he saw and, and had to fight the warlords. And uh, there, is there really a government in Sudan right now, a real government at all, or is it, is it still kind of like warlords and territorial? You know, if, if it were me, I would tell you um, there are warlords, but <laughs> there is a government. But, <laughs> but it's made up of warlords because... The president is there, but there are five by president. So I never see anything like that in the world, but I think uh, the president also is trying his best to try to bring peace so people, you know. And uh, there's really not a lot we hear about it here in America or Europe, or I suppose the Chinese are investing uh, time in there, but uh, uh, you are kind of, people have kind of just left you, haven't they? It is tough. It is tough. We, we're being left, and uh, you can also, I think people are eager to help. But at the same time, without uh, stability in the country, it's very difficult to maneuver, to provide services that are needed. And people have to be welcoming, especially the government of South Sudan have to have open arm and uh, protection for the people who are, you know, trying to invest in their people so that has to be there otherwise this is very difficult david joel and, and don hill don when you first went to sudan and uh, did you feel like you needed to be armed uh, <laughs> well being armed would have been good um but not for me probably i don't think you'd want to see uh, a caucasian there being armed that might be a bad thing <laughs> but it is a it there's there's no doubt it's a dangerous place in in uh, um uh, people probably can't get a real concept of how dangerous it is. It's it's. Uh, you mentioned warlords. It is a it is a tribal civil war. Um, the larger tribes in in South Sudan oppose each other, uh, and all of East Africa is difficult. Um, but it it does very much. It is you're very aware 
of a few things over there. One is that it it is the the only law is the law within the tribes, um, and between tribes there there there's struggle. Uh, and the other thing that you're very aware of is that when you are with a tribe like David's part of the New Air people, um, and you go over and you're in their protection, they will they will protect you. Christianity is often persecuted. Are Christians persecuted in Sudan just being Christians? That's right. And that was what the first civil war was about, you know, between Christian and Muslim. And that went on for a long time until 20, 2005 when that war ended, signing the peace agreement, the comprehensive peace agreement that came about uh, for South Sudan to become independent. And they saw Sudan create their own civil war, and that is more devastated than anything else. So it's, it's hard. Christianity flourishes when it's persecuted, though. It's uh, throughout history. You're smiling, Don. Uh, we know on that. But what can people in our audience right now, this, you know, like I say, maybe they're not, they don't know anybody or they don't, they're not connected. Uh, they they can read about it uh, on the internet, but uh, it, it's it's not something that they want to get involved with. Uh, uh, you know, I'll, I've got other problems. You know, I, I, what can people do in our audience? Because the children, it's all about the children, as far as I'm concerned. What what can they do? I mean, uh, to help other Christians, like you say, uh, the church. Um, some people probably have. Like I say in this other movie, uh, somewhat of a vision that they need to go and help, or whichever. But uh, people listening right now, you never know who's listening. What can you say to them? Well, I'd say first of all that you know there are there are a lot of people helping persecuted Christians in East Africa. But as David, you know, you guys, John and David, you guys talked about kind of being forgotten there. That that's that's what it's like in in South Sudan because. It's just so difficult to even understand how hard it is to help um, because uh, it's the access is so difficult to help, uh, and so the and the infrastructure, the governmental infrastructure, isn't there. There's no there, there's no infrastructure of roads or transportation or anything like that to be able to even help do this. But but the great thing about about it is that an organization like this in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota that can that has some community involvement can actually raise enough money to be able to do real good in a small piece of South Sudan, in that Korowako region, for instance, which there there weren't schools going on. In, in that region. So the kids were um, without school, and, and girls, even before the wars, had not gone to school at all. Um, before, uh, you know, it was just for boys because girls had to work, and so they couldn't go to school. And so you have to, under, um, you know, overcome that cultural thing. But, but the great thing about it is, is that a little bit of money actually goes a long ways in a local setting like that, it, it's 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 one of those things where you think um, 
the problem is so big we really we really can't impact it but in a small area in a small way uh, people can band together and educate children and that's what this is you have a passion for that down downhill david joel you're an example of a lost boy being able to come here in sioux falls south dakota and become what you are um I, I think people need to look at that as far as what education and, and capability and opportunity can be. Uh, the Korowako Project, how can, you know, first of all, Don, where is your church at? Uh, First Evangelical Free Church, we're on 69th Street between Western and Louise, 2601 West 69th. And David Joel, where is your church at? Uh, my church is at uh, on 40th. On 41st Street, uh, 6300 West 41st, just east of Roosevelt High School. When we talked to you 20-so years ago, how old were you back then? Oh, guys. Um, you were still, you, you were still, so a, you were still a lost boy, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I say, though, I'm glad that we can talk to you today. And, and again, uh, if people want to help with the CORE WACO project, it's K-H-O-R-W-A-K-O-W. And uh, they can Google David Jall, J-A-L, or Don Hill, Lost Boy Sioux Falls will come up uh, with quite a few connections to Sioux Falls. And like I say, it it seems overwhelming that what can one person do? But if you can affect one child, what can that opportunity think about it? I guess, uh, as David, you're an example. Um, Again, if you'd like to have you, uh, if people would like to have you come to the service club and talk, David, I'm sure you would be open for that. Oh, I would be glad to. And Don and I would come together. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, as you said, and I think that is that is the goal. When I was a kid, went to the military, I was eight years old. My hope and prayer is if we can save one child from being recruited to the military, God bless that child and. I am an example of it. I am a product of education. We are just ministering God's word through education, and that is our goal. How old were you when somebody handed you a rifle? I was nine years old. I have a grandson that's fine. I can't imagine. David, I I, I see your, your smile on your face. Uh, Don, I, I see your passion, the Core Waco Project. I very much uh, hope that we can talk again, and and thank you very much for being with us Mm -hmm. on Forum. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thanks, John. (laughs) Next on Forum, we're going to be talking to Pastor Jeff from the Faith Temple Food Giveaway. As uh, we talk about, uh, you know, food, I I know that you've got a lot more people coming out to the giveaway, but we want to talk about a little bit coming up on April 25th. You're going to have a dinner and concert. Uh, this is going to be pretty good food. We're going to be talking about uh, gourmet meal, uh, but this is a fundraiser for the uh, Faith Temple food giveaway. Uh, Pastor Jeff, first of all, Faith Temple, uh, for don't, those who are new to Sioux Falls, where's that located? You know, our church is over close to the intersection of 33rd and Western in Sioux Falls. And the food giveaway is still at the Nordstrom. I got to got to give him credit for building that building for you out there at the fairgrounds. That's right, the Nordstrom Johnson building. Typically, if people want to come to the food giveaway, they come in on Madison, and usually they see a lot of cars on Friday. 
from four to six. That's when the food is passed out. Now, you uh, used to get maybe three, four hundred not too long ago. Of course, the COVID kind of brought things uh, to a forefront a little bit. But lately, how many people have you been getting on a Friday afternoon? You know, typically at the fairgrounds, we get between um, 11 and 1,200 people. 1,200. Now, that line goes quite a long ways. You almost have to direct traffic a little bit, don't you? We do. We try not to get the traffic out on the street, but Art Nordstrom, he's the guy that's directing the traffic mm-hmm. out there, and he keeps it all on the fairgrounds. But there's hundreds of cars. People line up, I think, uh, hours early, don't they? They do. Yep. They're out there early. And they, they come from uh, a ways, even. They do. You know, we've had people come 60 miles away. People carpool together. And not only do people come in cars, but we have people ride bicycles or people even walk over there, oftentimes several miles. Yeah, they bring a wagon maybe. Hopefully so, or a backpack, and yeah. they stuff the food in there. And Well, the food that you get has been quite a story too. It has been. Uh, we're just blessed to be able to get the food that we do. We just believe it's a a miracle from God that we're able to get the food. You know, a lot of people think that the food giveaway is just all free food, but, of course, we we buy food, too. Uh, Typically, a typical food giveaway on on a Friday costs between four dollars and $5,000 to do. Well, I I remember as a kid, and with me, that's 50, 60 years ago, uh, the government used to have a food giveaway out at the fairgrounds. Uh, you'd get cheese and, and dairy products and, and meat of whichever that uh, was kind of surplus, you know, from the egg bill and that type of thing back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, you do uh, get together quite a lot of food. But like you say, it's not all free. You have, you know, just buying milk mm-hmm. costs uh, quite a bit, doesn't it? Oh, it does. You know, like this coming Friday, we'll have milk and hundreds of gallons of milk to give away to people. And eggs, too, you mm-hmm. know, can be quite expensive. And we appreciate Dakota Layers up in Flandreau, and uh, they give us a real deal on eggs. But people are always looking for eggs. Well, you try to, you know, put together something that's, you know, a little bit for the whole family. There's there's some things that kids would like, you know, and, and but uh, you try to keep things, you know, nutritious as far as somewhat balanced. Uh, you, you try to try to uh, uh, put together, yeah, for some people, this is their only food. It is. You know, we didn't have a food giveaway on Good Friday, and a lady called me, and she said, Pastor, you didn't have a food giveaway? And I said, no, you know, we will have one this coming Friday. And she said, uh, I just want you to know that we depend upon that food. Well, it's people of all, it's not uh, just kids, it's young people, it's families, it's uh, old people too. That's right. Yeah, people that are Older, oftentimes they'll tell us that they choose between their medicine and food. And also the people that come to the food giveaway, all of them, or most all of them, are working jobs. If not, you know, they could be retired. But there's a lot of people that work more than one job and then make it to the food giveaway too. Well, it's almost a military logistics. Uh, you've developed, uh, like I say, uh, Mr. Nordstrom has put together a building that, because, uh, you know, just to house everything, you almost have to have, uh, you know, uh, machinery to move pallets and uh, unloading and loading and, and uh, truck, you know, loading docks. And 
uh, talking to Pastor Jeff from Faith Temple Food Giveaway. How many volunteers on a Friday afternoon when you have 1,200 people lined up uh, do, you, do you have? You know, usually we have about 70 volunteers 70. that come. Mm-hmm. And some of these volunteers have come for 14 years, as long as the food giveaway has been in existence. But I think they see the need and they see the legitimacy of the Faith Temple Food Giveaway in handing out food. There's something about religion and food mm-hmm. uh, throughout the Bible. <laughs> There is, isn't every, there? every you know, it, there's a connection, and music too, and and mm-hmm. now this gala, yep, it's a Faith Temple Food Giveaway fundraiser, the second annual. There's never really a first annual, but there's a second annual, um, technically. It's a gala dinner and concert, and you got uh, a private performance by Sean Johnson and the Big Band Experience. Uh, he's an Emmy Award winning. He's been a, a Billboard Top Five artist. Uh, this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, and he's known for being the lead singer in Tonic Solfa, and a lot of people know him. But it is a big deal just to have him come, and we appreciate him and his agency uh, sending him our way. Well, it's uh, part of sharingthetable.org. We can have a really, you know, those that can, you know, uh, uh, this is a way of, of giving that food, but yet you can enjoy good music and good food and good company. That's right, and we're going to kind of tell the story of the food giveaway and have an update on that. So there'll be several things that are going on for those couple hours out at the district. Well, it's Tuesday, April 25th, 6.30 p.m. at the district, which is kind of a hot spot for entertainment. But how many tables can you set up? How many people can you have there? Well, I believe that we can have about 450 people. And I want you to know that tickets are going fast. And so there's just a limited uh, amount of room for people. But doors will open at 5 p.m., but we're asking that people do buy their ticket before that evening. Well, you know, it's not unheard to go to a fast food place and spend easily $20, $30. That's right. Um, That's right. And admission is $50. But this, you know, like I say, you got Sean Johnson, the big band experience. You've got all these people that uh, sometimes you only see at these galas. Uh, and $50 is really kind of reasonable for, for uh, a gourmet meal. I would hope so. I think it's pretty affordable. Actually, mm-hmm. it's costing us more than $50 to put this on. And, but we want people to come and in, have an incredible evening, an enjoyable evening, as well as hear Sean Johnson, as well as learn about the food giveaway. Well, it's not just food. You've got, uh, what, a silent auction, a private uh, ed, you know, g- gifts and that type of thing? A lot of interesting things in the silent auction as well as the uh, the the live auction. I think we have a replica of Prince's guitar, and I've oh seen that, and that's something to take home, I'll tell you. Well, music and churches go together, too. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's, um, you know, like I say, there's probably, you know, a lot of things that people, those packages, when you put them together, their vacations or trips or balloon rides and that kind of thing. Those kind of things you only see at a gala type of, you know, right. type That's of thing. Right. If, if you tried to put it together yourself, it, it, would, it would be a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do they get tickets? All they need to do is go to sharingthetable.org, or they could actually come over to Faith Temple Church at 33rd and Western and buy tickets there if they like. They should probably call the church before they come over to make sure that uh, the doors are open. Well, and your church services on Sunday morning are what time? They're at 8.30 and 10.45, and so people could show up for church as well Mm -hmm. as buy some tickets. Well, and get to, you know, for people that are new to Sioux Falls, that's a good way to uh, kind of start the network a little bit. And uh, if there's people that would like to volunteer, maybe they, uh, they've got time now 
and how you know how can they volunteer for the food giveaway? Well, John, we make it really easy. We just ask people to come out to the Nordstrom Johnson building at two forty-five on Friday, and my wife will assign you a job and we'll put you to work, and you'll have uh, an incredible experience. Bring a wagon or a wheelbarrow. Or- we have wagons. We have wheelbarrows. We have forklifts. We have pallet jacks. Uh, just show up and uh, get ready to, to work and do the Lord's work. Have you ever added up how many pounds of food that can, that is on a Friday afternoon? I would imagine on a Friday afternoon we probably give away um, probably 40,000 pounds of food. That's 20 tons. It is, yeah, a lot of food. I mean, that's, that's uh, well, that's more than that. Uh, the district coming up on Tuesday, April 25th, 6.30. The doors open at 5.00. Admissions only $50. You get live and silent auctions, a private concert with Sean Johnson, the Big Band Experience, a Billboard Top 5 Artist, Emmy Award winning, uh, gourmet meal, uh, prizes, and more. Like I say, good music, good food, good people. What else can you ask for? And Sioux Falls is, is such a good place to be. But on Tuesday, April 25th at 6.30, the district is where you want to be, and, and uh, it's all for the food giveaway. 1,200 people on a Friday afternoon. Are yeah. depending on that, and as uh, you you know, Pastor, uh, it's all about the kids. It is. We see a lot of kids. I remember uh, a family going through the line when we had it inside, and one little boy, as the, his mom was picking up the food, he said to her, "Mommy, mommy, we get to eat tonight." And so there are a lot of kids that are struggling for food as well. They don't get to pick their parents. Yeah. Sharingthetable.org want to thank you, Pastor Jeff, from Vape Temple Food Giveaway. Thank you for being with us on Forum. Thank you, John.